Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, author, speaker, and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. I help people learn how to bring more joy into their lives, find meaning each day, and connect with the people they love. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a seven-ton cancer thriver, but more importantly, I am also the original napkin notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. Often called the queen of realness, we are so happy to introduce you to Alexis Barad Cutler. She is a facilitator, a writer, and founder of Not Safe for Mom Group, an online and in real life community where women find connection in talking candidly and without shame about the grittier sides of the motherhood experience. Welcome, Alexis. We are so happy to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Our so pleasure. I have just a question. When did you decide to put it all out there and just say, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to write about my life. I'm going to tell people all the gritty stuff and I'm just not going to worry about it anymore. I think this is something I've been doing for a really long time. I just translated it, in, it into motherhood. I've been a confessional personal narrative writer since my early 20s. And I've, I used to tell my dating stories, all the sorted details of that on stage in the East Village. I had like a, a show that I organized called Inner Monologues. And I found that it was, there was a great relief in telling people your truth and the more that I shared my own personal experiences, the more connected I felt to other people. And they would come to me after a show and say, like, I'm really glad that you said that because I've been feeling shame. And like, I never was able to say that out loud about that part of myself. But thank you for saying that because it just makes me feel less bad about myself. And so I've just carried that through in other stages of my life. And, and I think it's served me well in the motherhood experience too. I love that you decided to be brave and to do that because it, it does really empower other women and other people to maybe stand in their own truth. I want to read something that, that you said or that you wrote. I think you wrote this and I found it online and I love it. And it really will give our audience kind of a little bit of an idea as to sort of how you do that. This is what you wrote. Depression in some form has dipped in and out of my adult life like an old boyfriend who every couple of years sends you an email or a text that ends up derailing your entire day. Except unlike with the old boyfriend, the feeling doesn't go away in a night or two. It lingers around seeping back to take hold and suffocate the air you breathe and erase all the joy you may have found in the life before you knew him. I mean, that is so powerful and so real and, I mean, really beautiful. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with depression and, you know, how putting all that out there just sort of probably, I would think, made you feel even maybe a little better? Yeah. Depression has been, again, another thing that I've dealt with since I actually my entire life, but, you know, as a kid, it we didn't really identify it as such. 
and really manifested in college and and expressed itself in a variety of different ways throughout my life. But when I became a mother, was I had to take it really seriously because it was then affecting the life of somebody else. You know, you can be as strong as you want and 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 say, well, it's not really that strong when you do it. I can take this. I'll just, you know, never eat or never come out of my room or, you know, never interact with anybody or drink until, you know, the cows come home. But you can't do that once you become a mother. It really forces a reckoning to happen. So when I was experiencing postpartum depression after I had my first son, that was the first time I needed to be very proactive about this illness that, you know, was coming back for me time and time again. And it's something that I need to talk about often. I mean, it's, that wasn't the last time I had it either. Um, it came back again, you know, a couple of years after that, when I had my second son, I mean, it, it visits you, like mm-hmm. I said, like the old boyfriend, you can learn tools to manage it. And those are helpful. But it's something that I've just resigned myself to know that this happens to me. And that I just have to know, like, who are my support systems? What are the tools that I've learned? What are the things I can do to recognize that it's coming or that it's, you know, now in my life again? And it's really important for me to talk about as a leader of a motherhood community, because it really wasn't until a couple of years ago that people started talking about all of the varieties of mood disorders that pregnant women and, and mothers experience in all of their nuances. There was this umbrella term of postpartum depression, and you would picture like Brooke Shields and her stories. But now we have a better understanding and a better language to describe things like you know, postpartum anxiety or intrusive thoughts and postpartum psychosis. And women have come to me asking, like, I am experiencing this number of things and I just don't know what to call it or if I deserve to look for help. And we have lots of conversations on in my community on Not Safe for Mom Group about how we all deserve help and we all deserve support systems. And there's no like threshold at which you have to reach in order to seek out more support. And yeah. I love that. I, I think that you being so honest about it and your willingness to sort of talk about it often really makes other people who are going through that more likely to sort of acknowledge it. But also, you know, right now my kids are, I have two daughters. My oldest is almost 21. My youngest is almost 18. And my, my mom passed away two weeks after I had my first daughter. And I felt like it was terrible. It was like one of the hardest times in my life. And at the time I felt like I had to be perfect. I felt like I had to kind of present this image that, you know, Dara has it all together. She can have a baby and she can look great. And this really terrible thing can happen, but I'll still put a smile on my face and I'll still, you know, have my best year at work that I ever had and do all this stuff. And now my, you know, it's been almost 21 years. I wish I could go back and say to that young mom, you know what? It's okay. You don't have to be perfect. Like I was in a space of depression and sadness and I didn't know what to do and I didn't know where to turn. I didn't have the skills 
the only thing I knew how to do was put a smile on my face and pretend like I was okay. And I think that you're talking about all these things in your community is the biggest blessing. It's such a gift that you can give other moms and other women because we are so hard on ourselves. And you know this, women don't always support other women. I don't know why that is. Do you have a a theory on that? I have a feeling you might. (laughs) Put me on the spot, why don't you? Um, (laughs) Let me solve one of the greatest mysteries. Yeah, why don't you solve it? Solve it in like 15 minutes. You know, I think because we are, because there's such a lack of resources, we have to fight for Mm -hmm. what's left. Like in the Hunger Games and you have, what's the thing in the middle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that thing is I'm like Thanksgiving cornucopia and it's a race. So we are in competition with one another for what has limited availability. And so, you know, whether it's a leadership role at work or, you know, the good men out there um, and (laughs) that one could possibly compete for, I, I think women are trying to undermine one another not all women, but I think there can be a tendency yeah. to do that. And um, but it feels I like it's getting a little better, though. Do you agree with I, that? Uh, no, maybe not. I don't fault women for doing it. I fault yeah. the lack of support systems in our society that create these issues for us. Yeah. You know, if, we had, if we had what we needed, we wouldn't have to fight for it so hard. Garth, do you feel like that as a so, man? Like, do you feel like? <laughs> men are not supportive of other of each other do you because I know Garth has a daughter as well who's almost 21 so I know I know you know what we're talking about but do you feel like men are I I don't think that way at all I think that men now I think that in some cases our support might be not deep it might be a little bit superficial like surfacey but there's definitely even guys who get together and insult each other to their faces, right? We're doing it in the spirit of friendship and fellowship, right? We, I would never insult somebody to their face if I truly wanted to insult them, right? I would, that's just part of the the bonding that we have in terms of, you know, being bros or whatever. Um, <laughs> by the way, I don't think I've ever in my life said the word bros until this. Yeah, this that's not, yeah. But you know, I look at my, let's say my church group, the Knights of Columbus, there's 350 guys in this church group and our church doesn't have a similar function for women. Mm. And and I'm not saying that they don't do it in different avenues and different channels, but Dara, you know this, I haven't really raked my yard in nine years. And, you know, the, the guys at my church have recognized that raking my yard is somewhere between a 16 and 20 hour thing for me to do each fall. And that that's really physically hard for me. And so in many cases, one of them will just drive through my neighborhood and see what my lawn looks like. And then they make a couple of phone calls. And the next thing you know, there's 10 guys with rakes and leaf blowers taking care of my yard. I look at Emma and her friends, and you would think that her generation, right, our, our daughter's generation should be doing better than what our, you know, your generation and my my wife's generation, and better than what our parents' generation is doing in terms of women supporting each other. But, you know, I still get this inkling from some of the conversations I either overhear or some of the things that Emma shares with me that they still have a lot of work to do. 
But on that note, her deep friendships, like those, those women would do anything for each other. But it, I think it takes a long time to get to that deep friendship level. Yeah. And I think what it takes is honesty and opening yourself up to feeling vulnerable and to being real Mm -hmm. and to letting yourself say, okay, you know what? I'm not perfect. I actually need help. And here's what's going on. And that's what I love so much about your not safe for mom group. So tell us a little bit about how that got started. And I'm sure that the response was immediately just overwhelmingly positive. I want to just touch a little bit on what Garth was saying about the connections and the the real connections. And then, and then I'll answer your question. I feel really held and connected to the women in my community. So I wouldn't say that women are snakes. I think that when you have true connection, that's real and you will find your support system there. And Dara, to your point, it can really only exist when everyone is willing to open up, mm-hmm. willing to show their scars. And what if it's only existing on the superficial level, I mean, I can't have a part of that, which is yeah, why I created this community because I was feeling like all of the other accounts that existed in the motherhood space made me feel bad about myself. Yeah. I love that you said that because I feel like that too. And maybe it's just because I've been through stuff, but I don't want to, I I want real authentic relationships. I want real friendships. I feel like I'm so past the superficial bullshit that I don't know. You know, I just, I see that with my daughter sometimes and I'm thinking, you know, I I say say to Zoe, you know, Zoe, if this isn't a real friend, why are you spending time on this? Why are you putting energy there? But maybe some of it has to come with experience and going through stuff and getting to that point where you're just kind of over it. Yeah. And I think for the younger kids, they definitely need to go through those bad experiences to appreciate the good ones. I have two boys and my older son, he's eight, uh, he'll be nine. And he has a lot of female friends. And there have been times when, and, and male friends too, who, both, both genders, they, they can be crappy to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as much as I wanted to say like, well, only be friends with the people who are nice to you. Like you have to kind of weed that out. Yeah. And go through those experiences to later find those meaningful friendships in life that you will treasure and know like by the time you're 40 like Mm -hmm. I'm standing for this crap (laughs) yeah yeah Dara and I were just talking about that yesterday how we as we get older we have much less tolerance for Mm -hmm. things that are not completely genuine well and we recognize that our time is so precious and why would I want to spend my time with someone who truthfully maybe doesn't really like me or doesn't even really know me or is trying to get something from me that I don't feel is real or genuine, genuine. I think that's the word I'm searching for. And we've all probably gone down that road. We've all been there. We know what that feels like. It doesn't feel good. You feel used. I'm, you know, I'm almost 49. I'm kind of over that. I don't want that feeling anymore. I'm with you. Yeah. I would be so grateful if you pre-ordered my new book, I Am My Mother's Daughter, Wisdom on Life, Loss, and Love. 
As a thank you, there are five free downloadable items that will be immediately sent to your inbox when you fill out the pre-order form at crazyperfectlife.com. Thank you so much. I am incredibly appreciative. So tell us about starting Not Safe for Mom Group. So the origin story, I guess it's kind of a little bit of a revenge story, which is not great. Ooh. <laughs> now I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. But at least you acknowledge, right? Yeah. You're acknowledging. She's being, you're being real. At least you're acknowledging. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I've been writing for a really long time. I was a staff writer for a parenting magazine, and I was writing for basically every parenting website that existed at the time. It's blown up. I mean, the space is huge now. There, there really weren't many when I was starting out. And I would write about, you know, the top 10 pizzas you can feed your kid for lunch or something, those dumb like listicles. And But for what I really loved was writing these personal essays about how much motherhood sucked and, and the problems that I had. You know, sometimes I really hate my kid, for example. And it would be painful to write, but then it would feel like such an exorcism mm-hmm. to... And I started to feel like I write all the stuff that you can't actually say to your mom friends. And I actually had great mom friends, but I was picturing this quintessential mom group or the way that I felt in my original mom group. And sometimes I was able to actually get those articles published. And in one such publication, um, they accepted an article that was a humor article. It was about how I don't know if you experienced, do you ever hire your babysitter from online? Yeah, not. We are too old for that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but I appreciate you thinking that that I look young enough to have done that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You absolutely do. And I don't believe the ages that you told me you are. Um, And so I was hiring a babysitter online and I was thinking, this is so weird. This feels like online dating. Like I'm looking at just profile pictures and I'm like, he's pretty, she's pretty, he's pretty, she's pretty. And I'm like, am I choosing a babysitter? Am I choosing like a side piece for my husband? Like, what is happening here? So it was like, you know, a silly piece about the way that we consume people sometimes and the objectification of, of people as soon as they put themselves in this like profile thing. And it was just this heady, heady feeling of being a mom looking for a babysitter and then looking back and being like, it feels like online date. Anyway, I wrote it for the site and they were like, okay, make sure to promote it every couple of days. And one of the days I went back to promote it, it wasn't there. Mm. And I was like, this is weird. must be a glitch. So I wrote to my editor and she's like, oh yeah, they pulled it. And I was like, why would they pull it? And they said, it was too controversial. It was just getting too many like negative comments. And I was like, I, I would love to see the comments. Like, what what did what did I start here? And they're like, oh no, that's been taken down too. We don't have anything to show you. And I felt so stifled as a writer because I'm all about connecting. And even if it's negative, I want to know what emotions did this stir in you? And I like to have a dialogue. And so that was the moment that I felt like I need to have my own space where conversations are not cut off at the jump. Like I, I think that we should be able to have a discourse, even on things that make us feel triggered. And and that's how I started Not Safer Mom Group. And I let people know about that story. I've never named the publication, but I was really disappointed 
in them. And, and I don't think that we should censor motherhood stories. Even that isn't even one that I feel like is my heart and soul. Like it's just a stupid piece, but it still was, it still made me feel ashamed. Mm. You know, it was my story, but they made me feel ashamed of this thought that I had. And I really believe that we, we should not do that to mothers. This journey is complicated and it's layered and there are a lot of competing feelings that happen. And I wanted to provide a space where people could speak to that. I love that. Yeah. What is the most controversial topic that you feel like your community has really kind of dealt with or that really just sort of stands out in your mind as, you know, wow, that really brought up a lot for the community? Well, Lately, every topic is that. <laughs> right? Yeah. A single topic right now. The, the one right now is about schools and whether schools are daycare or childcare. And should we be thinking about school as our childcare solution? And I'm hearing from teachers and educators and how they feel like they never signed up for this and they don't want to put their lives at risk. And then I'm hearing from people who are just need to put food on the table. And they're like, mm -hmm. I don't have a choice. I need to go back to work or my family won't survive. And it's really coming at me from both sides. It's the most, uh, one of the most fiery debates we're having now. During the Black Lives Matter, the movement that came about again after the murder of George Floyd, there was no debate, luckily, but it was a super hot topic. Mm -hmm. um, but then when we were talking about defunding the police, that was, you know, extremely heated for all of the women in my community who either have police spouses or, you know, family members. But prior to this, I would say gender, women who feel gender disappointment um, mm -hmm. when they're having a boy or a girl and they feel like now their hopes and dreams of, you know, ribbons and bows and Barbies are, are dashed and... That brings up a lot of feelings, especially for families of trans children or, you know, families in, in different gendered relationships and lots of different feelings, feelings from women from the um, infertility community who try so hard and would just be happy with any baby. Yeah, and, yeah. How could you be ungrateful? So those have, that's been probably one of the hardest discussions to moderate. Anything but those are, I mean, those are big issues. Those are issues that really hit people in their hearts. And of course, they're going to have strong feelings about that. But I love that your community isn't afraid to talk about the hard issues and to kind of go there and let people have a place where they can safely say and share their feelings. I think that's so important, especially right now when, like you said, I mean, it feels like all of us really have a lot of feelings on a lot of things right now. So that's pretty amazing. I hope they feel safe. I've been toying with this idea of like taking out safe from how I describe my community because my mm -hmm. safe space. But what if you feel yeah. someone said something and you felt unsafe, you know, then I'm lying. Yeah. Um, so I, I really, my intention is to create a, a space that feels safe where you feel like your feelings are, are held and, and respected. It's a respectful space, but mm -hmm. sometimes 
you know, I'm moderating a ton of comments and sometimes I make a mistake and it's not until a couple hours later when I'm looking at the responses that I'm like, oh man, why did I post that? Like that was, I missed something big, you know, and then like I I did someone wrong by posting it. We will have all the information about this amazing group, not safe for mom group in the show notes. And really we encourage all our listeners, all moms out there to check it out. And, you know, do you have men in your group also or dads or is it, or or is it primarily really just for moms? I was kind of curious about that. We do have male subscribers or, you know, followers. We have a lot of secret dad followers. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I have a lot of moms who will write in and say like, we read the stories together at night or we talk about them over dinner. So sometimes a shared experience between a couple. And that's really nice to know. A lot of women say they wish that their spouse or partner had a dad group like this Mm -hmm. space where dads could just get things off their chest. I would love to encourage Hey, Garth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, my yeah, plate is I mean, pretty full. Garth is, yeah, the, Garth is the napkin notes dad. So he yeah. is um, doing I'm that. Case, yeah. But, you know, on, on that note, I would actually, I would really encourage our listeners, right? So if there's somebody that can pick this up and, and run with it, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, one of the things that I absolutely experienced as a, a new dad was that outside of Lisa, my wife, I was pretty alone in in being a dad. And I didn't necessarily have support groups. We did fill very traditional roles where my yeah. wife stayed home. I had to go back to work. And in some cases, I was lucky. Right? I, I got to go back to work too. Yeah. But, you know, Lisa to this day is still incredibly close friends with all of the moms that, you know, she hung out with back, you know, 20 years ago when Emma was a newborn and those women all go out together on a routine, regular basis. Not so much now with COVID, but you know what I'm saying? And the, all of the guys, we're friendly with each other and we're, I would even consider them to be good friends and we're supportive of each other, but we don't hang out. You know, we didn't have the time walking in the park with with our kids in strollers and going to the playground. And I think that dads don't have that outlet. Um, they don't have that support system that they're building for the future. And I think that's one of the reasons why I have been so vocal in my role as a dad, not saying that my, you know, my experience is the best, but very clear in sharing my successes and my failures as a parent. And I'm, Dara, you and I have talked about this. Most of my community, 85% are women. Yeah. Yeah. Because the dads just, you know, they're not, they're not going to be bothered with, you know, some, some wacko with cancer writing notes to his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on that note, do you have a nappy note for us today? I do. Um, I actually changed it midstream okay. because I was listening to the two of you talk and I really, there was oh, something I that you, I, yeah, I have a feeling I know it's one that's going to be. Oh, I, no, it's not going to be okay. that one. Okay. So, so Dara, I know the one you're referring to. It's, yeah. it's the one that, that Lisa wrote, right? Yes. 
So I really feel that that is good for the discussion, but there was something else that it kind of clicked in my head. And so this was a note that I wrote to Emma probably four or five years ago. So she was, you know, 15, give or take. And it really was, I was reminded because of you both talking about women and their relationships with other women. And the note says, dear Emma, there comes a point when you have to realize that you'll never be good enough for some people. The question is, is that your problem or theirs? Love, Dad. Mm, that's I love that. That's amazing. Beautiful. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that really goes to the realness, Alexis, that you carry into your writing, in your community, and your life. And I think that it's okay if not everyone likes me. It took me a long time to get to that space. You know, I feel like your community, the realness that you share, the authenticity that is there is just really beautiful to see. So thank you for that. And we really encourage our listeners to check it out. We love asking our guests to share a thriving tip, just a little nugget of extra goodness that maybe you use every day in your life or something that you feel really helps you thrive. Is there something that comes to mind? Yes. The word shift is something that I carry with me a lot. Um, I go to therapy or virtual therapy now um, once a week. And I think shifting has... We all do. (laughs) Hopefully, if you're lucky enough. Shifting has been a huge theme for me. And so I am careful to note when something isn't working and something isn't feeling right, that I shift into another situation. And so I don't sit in discomfort of of a problem that isn't working. Like, how can I shift this to make it work for me? So, you know, if so, I love that. that. Yeah. If you have that friend that's constantly complaining about the thing that they don't want to change, can you shift that mindset? Like, can we, instead of saying drastically change your whole life, like sometimes a shift is a little bit easier. And I just keep that word in my head a lot and it helps guide me. What does that look like? Can you give us an example of when you say I'm going to shift from this to something else? Like, what does that look like? What is that little tiny shift? Yeah. Um, Like when work becomes extremely overwhelming for me and I realize that I've been holding onto all these strangers feelings Yeah, and like the weight of it is kind of crushing me. I say, what would it look like? If maybe I stepped away from the DMs mm-hmm. for two days, could that be a possibility for me? And then I say, you know, can I shift into this mode for two days? Yes, I can. Like give yourself permission. Yes. Yes. And I'm going to shift into a headspace of I don't need to, I don't need to go there. I don't need to open this inbox Everyone's going to be okay without me. I'm going to shift into a, I'm holding on to my own feeling state mindset Mm -hmm. because I need to make room to be able to hold all these other people's feelings. Otherwise it's just going to explode. So that would be a quick, like, here's the issue that I'm having. This is what I need to do. I'm going to like shift down Mm -hmm. 
Mm, I love that. And I would think the more you practice shifting, if you will, the easier it gets to move from maybe what isn't comfortable into helping yourself or figuring out what you need to help yourself in that exact moment. Easier and easier to recognize what you need. And my friends and I do this with each other a lot. We'll get like a text message from, you know, in our text chain, like, I am exploding with rage because X, Y, Z. And then we'll ask each other, what is the one thing you could change right now? Just one thing. I love that so much because a lot of times when we get those text messages, and I think a lot of our listeners can relate to this. I mean, we all get messages from friends and maybe they're feeling that sometimes we can help our friend by not buying into it, by not like adding to it, like, you know, you were screwed or you were done wrong or blah, blah, blah. I mean, we can help say, okay, that happened, but yeah, what can you do to kind of move out of that space? I mean, that's just something that I've really tried to pay attention to myself, especially like when I'm with someone who gets gossipy, if you will, that's just negative energy that I really try hard not to be around or bring into my life. But, you know, it it took me paying attention to that or being aware of it because it's so easy to slide into that space and like add fuel to the fire, if you will, instead of shifting, like you said, I love that word, shifting intentionally out of it. So thank you You for that. What I really like about that is, of course, I'll use a car analogy because I learned to drive on a stick shift, right? So (laughs) three on a tree for anybody who's interested. And if you don't know what that means, you're probably not 51. Um, (laughs) You can also upshift, right? So you can dial it back when you really need to. And then you can also kind of accelerate or move forward or press forward when you need to. I get that. There are two groups that I belong to, two real in-person groups. And we focus very much on volunteering. So one group is the Knights at my church. The other group is Star Wars costuming. And, and we do, uh, I know, and we everything we do is is volunteer-based, right? It's we, we do parades and we go to children's hospitals and we do, you know, meet and greets and things like that. But what's what I found is that both of those groups, there's an element that's very concerned about the rules and regulations and the politics of the group. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's, you know, following Robert's rules of order for a meeting or whatever the charter is, and I start to get wrapped up in that sometimes. And when I do that, I don't enjoy the group. Mm-hmm. I don't right. enjoy the volunteer opportunities. And so I, I find that I have to raise my hand and say, guys, I'm just here to help. Mm-hmm. And you can sort out all of the, the stuff. Um, I'm not even going to sit here and eat popcorn while you sort it out. I'm going to step away and you let me know when I need to go help some kids. I love that because you're not buying into it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're conserving your energy. Love that. Yeah. Cause it's really all about being intentional about what we want to spend our energy on every single day and recognizing when we're wasting it or giving it up or depleting it instead of raising our vibration and feeling better and doing things that make us feel more energized. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. We'll have everything in the show notes. We definitely encourage our listeners to check it out and we're really grateful to you. It has been a a real honor to have you as a guest. Thank you so much. for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I have one more thing. 
I just want the audience to know the great thing about Mom Group is you can submit a question about anything anonymously. So if you DM me, ask anything and I can post it on your behalf without your name. And then there's also a place on the website to submit super duper anonymously where it's not attached to your profile and it just comes into my inbox as anonymous. So I don't have to know. Wow. That's amazing. So that's, those are two ways that you could connect with the group and, you know, have an issue that you want brought up or a question that you want to crowdsource, you know, talked about. That's awesome. I have a feeling, you know, there's no issue that is off limits. No. Yeah. Which I love. Very cool. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so wonderful. I love talking to you guys. Thank you so much for being here. It really is our pleasure. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. I invite you to get my free audio download, Reclaim Your Life at crazyperfectlife.com with tips and tools to help you feel your best. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.